Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. This space was created for black men to feel empowered and know it's okay that they can cry too. Support for Black Men Cry Too comes from NYC's Heritage of Pride. Thank you so much, NYC Pride, for selecting us for your give back so we can encourage Black men to know that it's okay, that they can cry too. Another dope sponsor we have for this season of Black Men Cry Too is Black-owned Scotch Porter. Fellas, if you want the best products for grooming and wellness, head over to blackmencry2.com and follow the affiliate link for special inventory and special discounts. Let's not forget our special partner for this season, Happy Cork, where you can not only get the best wine and spirits, but you can get the best Black-owned wine and spirits with this Black-owned wine and spirits store in the heart of Brooklyn. Head over to happy-cork.com and let them know Black Men Cry 2 sent you. On this episode of Black Men Cry 2, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Comp today. It was good. It was up. How are you feeling? I'm chilling, man. Chilling. So you're breaking my tradition. Oh, no, no. We're not going to break the tradition. We're just going to do it differently. That was a great save. That was a great save. You got to do it differently. So y'all know we always take a shot. This is his Sober Sally year. Yeah. So respecting everyone's boundaries and life choices. Here we go. Here we go. To prosperity. Oh, come on, prosperity. Yeah, hit you right in the chest, right? (laughs) That's a good one. So to kick it off, it's actually one of my favorite topics. Reason being, a lot of people don't know. I studied fashion in college. Get out of here. I did. I had fashion merchandising as my official degree. Got into the fashion industry and was like, "Mm -mm, the same for me. Mm. Um, But with that, clothing and fashion has been a way to sort of like tell us apart culturally. Mm -hmm. And specifically within the black community, our fashion has a trend of being labeled ghetto, um, poor, It's policed only up until... It's appropriated. It's appropriated. Yeah. How many times, especially being like New York native, have you seen scenarios like something that you got in trouble for, you're now seeing on the runway, or you're now seeing a white billionaire rocking your same style that either got you selected, pre-selected, pointed out by a police officer, followed in a store called out at work um more specifically i can tell you so my experience is a little different i'm from poughkeepsie new york upstate new york now poughkeepsie is a city and it's it's weird like usually the south sides of the cities it'd be the bad parts right Mm -hmm. but poughkeepsie you know i never realized that until you said that just now south side chicago queens south sides are usually the size where it gets clicking at Mm. poughkeepsie's kind of flipped north side poughkeepsie is where it goes down at. You know what I'm saying? North side, south side is where we go uh, bike shopping. That's where all the big houses are. They leave the bikes on their lawns. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't got it. Bike, bike shopping. I see what you did there. South side. Uh-huh. But north side is where I'm from, Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, and long story short, um, we used to get in trouble. You know, the baggy jeans, do-rags, white tees down to your knees and all that. Mm-hmm. 
and we wouldn't be able to go into like the, the white clubs. It was always like go back in the car and change or whatever, whatever. And it, it used to be bugging us out because we were going into these clubs looking like Poindexter with, you know, the long, you know what I'm saying, the glasses with, you know what I mean, doing whatever we can to get inside and like changing in the bathroom when we get there to get more comfortable. But as soon as you get in the club, you see the white dudes rocking the do-rags and the big white tees and the jerseys. And it's just like, it was like a subtle ways of just saying we don't want you here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But the appropriation happens at every level. You don't got to be a billionaire. You don't got to be a, a rich person. You don't got to be a runway. They do it in everyday life. And when I say they, I'm just talking about, you know, white boys, for the lack of a better word. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying all of them. Some, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had a white, in Pekins, we had a white dude, LaRocca. That's one of them. Rudy was another one. God bless the dead Rudy. And I love how they even have black names. I mean, LaRocca's Italian and all that, but... He was a dude, he played football with us, grew up with us. We had Powder. Powder was a white boy that played on the basketball team. Did y'all nickname him Powder because of his skin color? He was white. So is that why you gave I him mean, that name? I didn't Aww. give it to him. The hood gave him that name. It wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? But so I'm just telling you, like, we have Rudy, the little white boy that used to play football. You know what I mean? <laughs> we had names of people that we gave in the hood that, like, but here's the thing. Those dudes that I just named, they they grew up with us. Mm-hmm. They was part of Poughkeepsie and growing up in Poughkeepsie. So when you saw them, you don't really see, I hate, and I hate this term, I don't Color. see color. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But they dressed like us and it was okay for them to dress like us because they were us. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's not like you go into the suburbs like Wappingers or High Park or whatever or Marlboro or whatever. You know what I'm, And then you got these people from the country and they and you see them and it's it's crazy wow seeing white people wear fubu was nuts <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> you know they're even wearing uh like brandon blackwood and yeah or telfar like anything that's ours shout out to brandon blackwood shout out to telfar shout out to saturday yeah um ioto i i, I can't say it but um Shout out to the black bag brands that are really coming up. Um, yeah, um, I'm happy to see white people buying black bags. I, I'm, yeah, I'm 100% for it. So how do you feel about appropriation with white people then? Like when it comes to the Brandon Blackwoods and you're seeing that there's people in our community who can't even get it, but you see a white person walking around with a bag. Like what is your initial reaction when you see that they start coming into our trends and our FUBUs? It's for us, by us. And now they're wearing what's for us by us, but Yo, telling us we can't wear it. I feel telling us we can't wear it. I feel like I wish white people would appropriate my shit, buy my shit. Yeah, you know I mean, appropriate. is it like reparations in a sense? Reparations, I, absolutely. Buy my shit, appropriate me. I I, I don't care if a, if you're a black business owner. I mean, I guess you know, yo, know, for lack of a better word, and we just gonna keep it real, right? Yes. The white man's ice is colder. In the hood, and you growing up in Black America, after integration was and en- after integration came through, and segregation was ended, which segregation for the bad things was probably one of the worst things that ever happened to Black people. Mm. But the okay. end of segregation was the absolute worst thing to happen to Black business, because with integration came this concept that the white man's ice is colder. Mm. So you have resources leaving our communities to go to white schools. 
because the white man's ice is colder. You have resources like black student athletes going to the Big Ten schools and stuff like that. And no, no, no shot to them. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like a lot of people and resources and, you know, people are resources, but, you know, left all communities to go integrate because the white man's ice is colder. But on the flip, don't you think that's what people label sellouts? I mean, so what's I mean, the fine line? Well, well, now they label it sellouts. I don't think that was the intention back then. I think the intention back then was, you know, to be seen as equal. So, I mean, as a to prove as a point that we were equal in American society, we wanted to integrate into society, but we never really took a look at. And I'm, and I'm not saying we. Because there were people that were like, man, that was the worst thing that ever happened. Back mm -hmm. then, they saw it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, the world is a little bit closer now with social media. and The work, the thought can get out there to the masses quicker. Therefore, when somebody sees it and recognizes something, that could be blasted and people could recognize it sooner on a, on a grand scale. So when I, when I say that, to say this, it's just, you know, um... I would love for white people to appropriate black businesses. If that means that they're purchasing the black businesses. So support, but not appropriate. Well, yes. I mean, we're saying it. Yeah. No, I agree. you know what I'm saying? Like appropriating black business. Like if, if, if the way that they're going to appropriate our culture is by buying our black businesses and supporting small black businesses. Cause small business runs America. Yeah. So if they're going to support with their dollars, small black businesses and then appropriate our company like that, I'm cool with it. But if it's some like the Kardashians selling Tupac and Biggie shirts and they're using a, a manufacturer in China or Pakistan right. and then they're selling it to young black kids, that, that's whack. That's super whack. Why are you doing that when you could buy it from the black business or use a black manufacturer or use a black distributor? If you're not doing none of that, get out of here. Because you're not doing nothing but stealing it from us. And that's the difference between support and appropriation. Right. And how do we sort of stand a firm line? Because it isn't a fine line. It's a firm line Very of firm. what support and appropriation is. And it seems like it's a struggle to have counterparts understand what support and appropriation is. And that's sort of why I asked in the workspace. Because when you think about it, you can come into work and mm -hmm. wear Jordans. Yeah. But Billy can come into work and wear Jordans, but most likely you will be tapped on your shoulder and spoken to about wearing Jordans. Oh, it's well, everyone will walk right past Billy and his. It's happened to me before. You know, it's like in corporate America, the, the, it's like the microaggressions that happen, right? And a lot of people, like, for me to define it the best way is this, right? In corporate America, I know how to speak, I know how to So you're code switching. Yeah, you got a cold switch. That's why I don't like it. I have to cold switch, right? While my counterparts and my white coworkers and stuff like that, for the most part, some of them are very cool, got mad love for them. And the other ones is like, yo, yo, homie, yo. And it's just like, Bradley, I never talked to you like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never talked to you like that. And your communication with me, it was never yo, homie. It was never this and the third. So what makes it th seem like it's okay for you to come over here and talk to me like that? Because for damn well, if I got to work hard to code switch to make you comfortable, because that's what it really is about. Mm -hmm. It's about 
white fragility, mm-hmm. white comfortability, mm-hmm. and making sure that they are at ease at all times around me. Because at any room that I walk into, I'm going to be the danger point just because of my like my skin color and who I am. So if I'm not coming to you with any of the yo-yo homeyos, I don't expect you to come over to me to try to make me feel more comfortable. Like, and that's not how you make me feel more comfortable. It's weird. It's, it's really weird. It's weirdo stuff to me. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree. But I think that was a beautiful example to show the support and appropriation. You're appropriating my culture, thinking that you're making me feel more comfortable, where in fact you're making me feel very uncomfortable because who's to say I even speak that way first? Like you'd even try to have a conversation with me to see the way that I would actually like to have this conversation with you. You didn't even say hello. You didn't even say hello. Yo, homie, what's going on? My guy... Like, where did you even pick these words up from? TikTok? I'm confused. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, assumptions. You know, you make a, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, and mm-hmm. it's that, and that, I think that's where a lot of the, the uh, like the microaggressions when it comes to, you know, cor- the corporate world, they're just assuming based off of face value. And it's just weird because, you know, you go into the offices and a lot of these <clears throat> tech companies and stuff like that, where it's more of a lax culture, mm-hmm. but they feel like they're all the way hip with it. They feel like they're on the pulse of moving things. But then you look at leadership and they have no idea what's going on. And I like how you said before, um, when you come into the room, they look at you and they just see danger. It made me think of when it comes to our culture and what's like comfortable for us, what's comfortable for black girls in our culture is having on silk scarves and bonnets because it protects our hair, yeah. our natural hair. Mm-hmm. For black men in our culture, it's putting on do-rags yeah. or wearing sweatsuits. It's just comfortable in our culture. But do you also ever experience the idea of being policed or labeled by what is literally our comfort, leisure, attire? Yeah, so it, it was bugged out. So my last corporate position, it was... um. It was weird because you had leadership that was like, man, I'm rocking with you. As long as you're producing, I'm rocking with you, right? And then you had other people who were, you know, aspiring, had a lot of ambition to move up in a company that would say, like, you know, do you want to move up? And you're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. I'm just chilling. I'm trying to get everything together. And the whole time you're just trying to keep it together because the corporate America is, is just different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, you know, as a black man in corporate America, you have to really – you got to play this dance, man. You got to you, you, kind of walk on our eggshells and you're like, I don't want to offend nobody. You know, offend nobody with your presence, just your presence. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't even like hugging people, fist bumps. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm scared of somebody taking a uh, platonic action the wrong way. Cause I've seen it happen so many times and so many different roles and so many different positions at so many different companies. And you feel like it's more dominant when it comes to black men. Um, in my experience, but I'm talking to you from a black male perspective. So I couldn't tell you what, you know, a black female perspective. Oh, oh, oh no, I meant about the hugging part. Oh, the hugging part? Yeah. From a black male's perspective? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, I hug my sisters because they know. They're from the culture. They know. They understand what a platonic hug is and, you know, going too far. And you shouldn't even be going too far in that position. It's about accountability, too. You know, I don't want to put that past people. People need to be accountable for their own actions. But, like, I see one of the sisters, first thing I do, hey, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Only because I know that's just going to hold me down mm-hmm. and look out. And they, if we get to that point of that, you already know what it is. It's just 
it's just love. We still here. It's love. My sister, my brother, what's going on? And we keeping it moving. We keeping it pushing. It's not, I'm mad at you. Now, oh, you hugged me the wrong way. I felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you got to, I mean, maybe these are just a little bit of my insecurities and stuff. But you see a lot of stuff when you're in corporate America and doing these different things that make you kind of like second guess stuff. I'm getting kind of off topic, but yeah. Not really. I was going to ask what's interesting t- for me to hear as well is you would think you're different, right? That's how they deem it. You're a black man in yeah. corporate America, so you made it or you're a different one. That's the way that they see it, right? Absolutely. Meanwhile, this is all the things you have to consider going into work every day. So there's code switching, which is in itself an entire thing that we shouldn't have to live through but now we're thinking about how am i presenting how am i interacting and am i going to offend am i going to offend to the point where now i'm living in fear is my job at risk because someone may have a personal vendetta against me just for me simply existing and being here trying to get a check and i probably don't really care about this company like that (laughs) i just really wanted on my resume and to get a check but now i have to think about 20 different things just to produce and be here and I think probably like and to your point, one of the most annoying things and to answer your question that you asked earlier is coming in and making sure that you're like, you're living this, you know, Hollister, mm-hmm. you know, Banana Republic, uh, Gap uniform that is just like. It's their idea of what success looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's their idea that, okay, you want success, you're going to dress for the role, stuff like that. And then you got these kids coming in and they're rocking, you know, you know, Jordans, Yeezys, and Rude, and the stuff I wear at home. You know what I'm saying? But if I wore it into the office, I get a tap on the shoulder, like, you know, you got to dress for the part, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I'm just like, I got to dress for the part, but homie just got a promotion. He dresses crazy. And what's the part? (laughs) That's the part that I was, what's the part? Because when you look at... Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, they used to walk around in nameless jeans and Mark Zuckerberg was in the same black T-shirt. I swore he had like the same T-shirt and jeans in his closet. And he's a billionaire, most like one of the most famous people in America. So what's the part that we're dressing for if these are what our leaders in America look like? It's essentially, can we fall in line? Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's another way. It's like... um. Yeah, it's it's a it's a control tactic. Can you follow orders? Mm. Can you are you going to be a good boy or are you going to be a bad boy? And that's the way I look at it. It's straight like that. Can you fall in line? If I jump, are you going to say how high? If I say work overtime, are you going to say I'm going to work really hard, boss, and stuff like that? Is is that really what's going to be? Because there's no other way. I mean, the work is going to be the work every day of the week. The only thing that's going to be different is are you going to be passionate about the work? And I think the real issue is there's a lack of true leadership, mm-hmm. true leadership, meaning that there's a lack of leaders in the company that connect with people on a person basis and create an honest relationship with that person and are able to motivate individuals to be better. Um, a lot of people only look at the bottom line and how that's going to affect them. When the, to get the most out of people, you will gain the most by giving the most, mm-hmm. which means you will rise as you help other people attain their goals. You will lift yourself up. And that type of leadership, it's just, it's, and it's not just one, it's, it's the entire yeah. corporate America yeah. is filled with bad leadership. Mm-hmm. The entire America, you could leave it at that. Yeah. It's yeah, filled, I mean, with, it's bad filled with bad leadership. 
Um, and, and the ones that are here and there, I will. I, you just got to cherish them. And it's crazy because those are the people that leave a lasting impression when you have a leader leave a company and you're like, man, that person was. And five years later, they're still bringing that name up. Like, oh, that was a crazy manager. We love that manager. Just in the third. That shows you the impact of a good leader. But nine times out of 10, they're going to see it for what it is and they're going to go on to a better opportunity or they're going to start something for their own self and they're going to become an entrepreneur or something like that. That's, I mean, true motivational people, great leaders, they're going to leave a lasting impression. And it's almost like the true leaders are also unconventional, yeah. which sort of like leads into being, I think of unconventional as being unapologetic as well. And I see that we're coming more into that, especially as black men, especially as a black culture. Like we're showing up unapologetically black these days. Like mm. y'all keep policing our blackness. So I'm just going to come in and remind you every day. Yep. Black. And K2 wants take attendance. Still black. I'm going to remind you black, black. And no, go ahead, go ahead. I love that. I love that. Um, so I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of different things, and I talk to a lot of people. I do a lot of consultant work on the side. And when I start to speak to people, you know, it's interesting because the word what you brought up convention, conventional, non-conventional, conventional, um, traditional, non-traditional. People have this way of looking at business, right? The conventional way of uh, doing business, the traditional way of doing business, what a business structure should look like. But the world has completely changed. Yes. The internet has been the, like, the biggest thing to disrupt yeah. damn near every industry. Social media has disrupted the internet. Mm -hmm. And it's going to continue. There's going to be different things that come through and disrupt different industries. It's to the point now that traditional business only works in a traditional sense in certain facets, right? Mm -hmm. Um. If you can look to disrupt an industry, you will be looking to create opportunities, jobs, wealth, you know, whole economies, grow economies and stuff like that. So, you know, I love this trend of blacks, women and men going and being unapologetically black mm -hmm. because that break, they're disrupting that tradition of, you know, good boy, good girl. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to show their, their true uh, potential. I mean, just look at black women. I love, I have these debates all the time. Tell us more. Tell us how you love us. <laughs> I have this debate all the time. So, you know, I'm, this is coming from a man that was raised by a woman. Uh, it's coming from a man that has a daughter. Let me grab my drink and raise myself yeah, just in case yeah, you say something wild. I'm not going to say anything wild. Okay. All right. Where I, on to that, what I'm going to say, and it's probably not a popular opinion, I don't subscribe to the statement that black women are the bottom of the totem pole. We listening? Here's why I don't subscribe to that statement. The most educated demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. When you're looking at C-suite roles, there's a plethora of black women in the C-suite mm -hmm. roles. I'm talking about in corporate America on that side. Um, black women are taking, this is the time they're taking over. Um, they're taking over in business. They're taking over in you know, health, they're taking over in, in, in law. They're, they're doing major, major things, industry and commerce, huge things in TV and everything else like that. So it's almost like there needs to be like an, an enlightenment point on, on a grander scale and a repositioning of the black woman in society. I love that. And the reason I say that is just because it's just like, 
you cannot walk around with this where the bottom, where the bottom, where the bottom, and you keep achieving and you keep breaking through the ceilings and you keep doing this amazing things. Look at black creators. Look at black women creators just in the last year in the pandemic. They're killing it in every facet. And like I'm telling you, like I have a daughter. So for me, it's more exciting for me. I'm more excited for her than I am for me. I'm just like, yo, listen, baby, this is... The world wants to be your playground. All you got to do. (laughs) You know, the black person says, all you got to do, you go to jail. All (laughs) you got to do is finish school and figure out what you want to do. I'm not here to tell you what you want to do. All you got to do is finish school. You're a black woman. You are going to kill it. You, it, it, it the world is here for you. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure, but you just, you just do it. Because at the end of the day, and I, I usually get the pushback. Oh, it's because, you know, the white patriarchy feels like they can control us and this and the third. But they're giving you the positions. Let them think whatever they want to think. Stay on code. Because then when you turn around, you're there. You have the resources, you have the positions, you have the power, and you can make the plays. But I also see it in the essence of black men, too. Like, I feel like we're also at a time where we're seeing a shift in you guys being more expressive when it comes to your personal style. When it comes to being unapologetic, we've seen disruptors, emotions crying, too. Um, we've seen disruptors such as like Young Thug and he's outside in a dress in his CD cover. You see a little Nas X and he's wearing nail polish like you see a bad bunny and he's doing whatever the hell it is that he wants to do. Things, right? <laughs> he's doing a lot. It's every day he's doing something new. I don't even keep up. And it's nice to see that we're sort of, well, as a black man, it seems like we're sort of taking away those gender Roles. Those gender roles when it comes to your personal style. We saw Cameron wearing pink and now a black man can feel like my masculinity is not in question because I'm wearing a purple do-rag. My femininity isn't in question because I'm deciding to wear someone's sweatshirt. And Mm. when it comes to like fashion in itself to that being a world that's typically women dominated or women led industry. We see more men stepping into it and black men stepping into it like, no, I got some style. I got some creativity. I want to make some stuff. I want to create here as well and feel comfortable and not like me being a man isn't in jeopardy or I'm lesser of a man. Well, I, it's funny as you say, like I'm real passionate about fashion. Like I like it's my thing. Right. So. It's bugged out that you say that, really, because it's. um my culture, I would consider my culture hip hop. Mm. I grew up in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? So that's like literally my culture. You know, like hip hop is a culture. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? From the styles, from the music to just everything. You know what I'm saying? From Gil Scott Heron and the Last Poets all the way down to whoever's coming out um, today, you know, Lil Yachty or whatever. No, 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 this or whatever. Just, you know, so current, mm-hmm. current, current rappers. ESTG, I think his name is, like mm-hmm. Fire, Maybag mm-hmm. um, Yo, all them. But long story short, Jodeci, right? You got Jodeci, you got Mary, you got Lil' Kim, you got, you know what I mean? You got, you know, Busta, you have Bad Boy, and the looks is what made me dress how I dress. The looks is what gave me my style and my fashion. I had zero clue Misa was behind that. I had zero clue she was behind that. Until I watched the documentary on Netflix. Fire documentary. And that's when 
I realized, because I knew about Dapper Dan, everybody knows mm-hmm. about Dapper Dan. You know what I'm saying? But for, for me, growing up, Dapper was like, you know, you had to be either a crazy hundred millionaire celebrity or the biggest drug dealer on the block to even afford it. So when I was younger, I ain't gonna want a million dollars, $10,000 for a jacket or, you know what I mean? I'm like, Dapper is like, Dapper's Dapper. You know what I'm saying? And I never understood what a stylist was because I just didn't know what a stylist was. You know what I'm saying? I'm growing up, I'm playing sports, I'm in hip hop, the hyper masculinity that's in hip hop, like nobody's talking about a stylist and stuff like that. If you're getting flies, people on the block and sweats and a t-shirt as you can see, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I saw, but when I was in the, you know, the Source magazines and the Double XLs, and I'm flipping through the pages, magazines, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at all these looks days? of people, that's when I fell in love, I used to look at the ads, and I used to see the FUBU, I used to see the Walker wear, didn't know that was April Walker to the same documentary came out, right? Mm-hmm. And you see like um the oh my gosh, Triple Five Soul, the Mecca, all these ads and all these clothes that made me just like fall in love with just like urban style and hip hop style. And then you realize that there's a black woman behind all those looks and all those acts that I grew up being like, oh, this is dope, this is fire. Little Kim with all the wigs and all the hair and stuff mm. like that. Like, and I realized, oh, there's a stylist. What's a stylist do? Oh, she dresses, like they dress people. And there's male stylists out there too, but you know, my first introduction was, you know, mm-hmm. a woman stylist. I didn't realize Dapper was a stylist because he was creating it, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he was a stylist. You know what I'm saying? He was styling mm-hmm. the hood stars and the celebrities. So it's, it, it, it's, it's bugged out when you see when you, when you see it, when you, when you when you realize like your motivations and who was behind your actual motivations, who was actually behind your um, if it wasn't for me, so I would never be in fashion. Like the ground she walks on, I'm thankful for. I love that. You better pay it forward to our. Da- I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Love it. Well, since you're a hip hop head, this question should come easy to you, and it's gonna be the hardest question I ask. Ready? Yeah. Three songs that you listen to to get you in or out of any mood. I, uh, so and it doesn't have to be hip hop. All right, so Peep saying Wiz Kid Essence. Okay, oh, that's oh my, my God, joint right that. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my joint right now. If I just want to just feel happy, I listen to that. Um, right now, Lloyd Banks Commitment. If I'm thinking, just thinking about like uh just like some relationship type stuff. To the G. The Lloyd, yeah, 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 yeah. The course of the inevitable fire. Probably listened to that album 15 times since it came out like two weeks ago. It's just Banks. I don't know. He has a song called Commitment. It's fire, and that's what I'm really thinking about. Um, uh, yeah, just any type of relationship stuff. And um, let me see. I don't know, like. If if I want to just get hype, like let's just say I'm in the crib and I'm designing and I'm coming up with different concepts, it's anything with Zelda. <laughs> it's like it's anything with Zelda because that's the hip hop I grew up on. Like it's anything with like Zelda. Ugh. Take it back to the roots, essentially. Mm. You know what I mean? Stupid fate. Mm. <laughs> and I just design and whatever, write down my notes or doing whatever I'm going through, come up with ideas. I'm just listening to some hard beats and dope lyrics in the background and stuff like that. Oh, I never... T- Young Thug and Lil Nas X. Like, Young Thug, I didn't understand him, right? I was like, this guy's wearing a dress. Why is this guy wearing a blouse? Why is this guy doing these skinny things? And he- Why not? Why? I didn't get it. Why not? But I, I didn't get it. I'm just telling you, I didn't get it. I didn't know 
But then when you heard the music, you realized like, yo, this guy's an artist. Mm. Like this guy's an artist and I appreciate art. You know what I'm saying? Like I was so caught up on the image and the actions. It, like he turned me all the way off at first. And then I listened to the music and I was like, this guy's like, this guy's a genius. This guy's a genius. And I try to tell everybody that this guy is a genius. This is bad, like early, 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 early. Nobody want to listen to me. But now this guy's a genius, mm -hmm. bro. This guy is another level. And Disruptor. Yes. Unconventional. Unconventional, non-traditional. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love Lil Nas X. Um, I don't really listen. To, I mean, to me, it's he's a little younger. I'm talking about his like appearance and how he presents himself when it as comes a to, black man. When he comes to, I think, I think he's doing a lot. I think he's doing a lot for the segment of the population that he represents. You know what I'm saying? So, so be a young, black, gay, male, young, black, gay, male, young, black, gay, male, and fearlessly does all the stuff that he does. I like that. Fearless. Let's not get into the whole last video, but what it represented to him and how the letter he wrote about the single and the whole messaging behind it touched young black gay who need males. to see that who need to see that who need to see representation mm -hmm. who need to see representation for their emotions for their mm -hmm. feelings who who are seen right so i'm all about artists using their art to get to make to bring people together and true art it, it, true art is going to invoke emotions so there's strong emotions on both sides. There's people that was like not messing with him. And there were people that loved him. And that to me, I, that's why I love Lil Nas X. He's really an Art. artist. He evokes emotion. And I, I, I tip my hat off to him. You know what I'm saying? So with that, our close up question would be, what would you tell a young black male that you wished was told to you? Oh, all right, peep. I, I I got this. This is a good one. So coming up, when I finally made it, when I was 18, I left Poughkeepsie. And I came down to New York City. Gang, mm -hmm. gang. And I was running around the city ever since. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was running behind a couple of people, Bigger and Suave, uh, Nightlife Entertainment. They were two of the big promoters back in the day. I'm talking about late 90s all the way until like, like now they just do like one-off events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But everybody, I mean, Spirit, Strata, BB Kings, um, Susie Wong's Mansion. You, back in the day, I mean, they all switched names and stuff like that. But all the big parties, big and suave, I've, I've done them all. Like, and they put a lot of other promoters on. So running behind them, they used to always be like, yo, make it happen. Come, you just got to make it happen. And I hated them for years. <laughs> because I'm like, yo, what does that mean? Right. I mean, I wish they would have break it down. But I think they were telling me that because they were like, dude, I just make it happen. It's like, there's no formula. Mm. That's what I would tell them. There's no formula to get anything done. You have to put the pedal to the pavement and you really just have to figure it out and go as you go. Plan, create a plan. Start with a plan. Say, this is what I want to do. Just a goal, high-end goal. This is what I want to do and work backwards. That. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I would tell them to do. Not just make it happen, but but that's they could only give what they had. It took me getting experience and years older and doing different things and doing different events and coming out with different endorsements and realizing like, hey, damn, I just made it happen. They was 100% right. They were telling me what they knew, but I would kind of would have broke it down a little bit more for a younger 
I got a cat. I love that. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Absolutely. I appreciated this a lot. And as always, you can tune in at Black Men Cry 2, T-O-O, and we'll see you next time. Peace.